I'm not pulling out of the driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for the drive to work, coronavirus edition. Okay, so today's interview, we're going way back into the past to do a, an R&D, a classic member of R&D from, from days gone by. So Henry Stern's with us. Hi, Mark. Did, did I make you feel old there with... Uh... <laughs> uh, a little bit, but not too bad. <laughs> I, I, I'm also from the same time period, just to, to be clear, so... Yes. Um, okay, so uh, I start with the question I ask everybody, which is, how, do, how did you get into magic? Yeah, uh, so for me, I was in college at the time, I think, or maybe just out of college. Um, but I remember looking for, like, a, a, a Christmas gift, and I was in the game store, and people, this was 94? 94, right? 90, well, 93 is when the game came out. Did uh, That's when Al- Alpha okay. and Beta came in 93. So this is, um, okay, so this is... Unlimited is 94, yeah. like end, end, end of 93, early 94. Yeah, I think so. This was Christmas the 93, I suppose. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, it was in the game store, and people were all huddled about the uh, the counter, talking about this and that, and this new card game, and it was really exciting. Um, and I bought some packs, and I guess, so the packs I bought were unlimited, but they still had beta cards in them. So maybe that, you know okay. those packs, those early packs? Yeah, yeah, that's early unlimited. had beta cards? Yeah, that still had some of them were black border, but some of them were white border. It's kind of weird, but that's how they were <laughs> back then. And that's how I got myself and a friend into the game um, and got sucked in pretty quickly to that and to the whole uh, um, a little bit of the tournament scene. And there was this crazy guy that worked at a game store near where I worked who let you trade like any rare card for any other rare card at the game store. Yeah, so, so real quickly. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. so the audience knows he's talking about me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's how I met Mark because Mark worked at, at a game store at the time and he was totally into magic and he was selling magic like like hotcakes to people. And I don't know if you've told all those hilarious stories about how they, they resented your uh, <laughs> doing such a good job of moving product for them. Um, but anyways, that's how Mark and I became, became friends as well. Like, and that was, must have been also early 94. Before you, but this is before you- No, that might've been 93. That might've actually been 93. So what happened was I was working part-time at, it's called The Gamekeeper was the name of the store. And um, I I open, I would always open up some product. We, we were allowed to open up some product so we could demo it, so we could teach people. And what I realized was because it was a trading card game, uh, I, I said to anybody who came in that they wanted, as long as they traded for rarity, and I, I knew what the rarities were, um, you could trade any card for the same rarity because I didn't care which cards I was demoing with. Um, and Henry came in, and he, you came back multiple times. You were very excited, yeah, too. it was a great deal. That was, like, the greatest deal ever um, because there were some very different values of some rares versus other rares back in, back in the day. Um, anyways, yeah, and that's how uh, Mark and I became, became friends from that. Um still are to this day. Uh, and that's how I started getting into magic. And the tournament scene sort of was very mom and pop run at the time. It wasn't like, it wasn't nearly as organized as things are now, obviously. But even back then it was like, Wizards was just starting to like organize things. Right, the, the DCI started in something like February or March of 94, I believe is when they like first, first started. Um, yeah. In fact, I remember... Um, I just had on um, my uh, on a previous podcast. I had on um, Scott Scott Larrabee, and okay. he was talking about how he had met me at some early magic convention, and then I introduced him to you. <laughs> yeah, sure. So yeah, and, uh, Scott was awesome. He was a really good uh, tournament organizer back in the day. One of the first ones who was like confident at uh, at what he was doing. Um, 
Yeah, I remember I have a four-digit DCI number that kind of dates as to how far back. Do you remember your what's your number? Oh, two nine two four or something like that. Yeah, I was. Uh, like I, I I was four digits too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Awesome. But uh, um, I started with one. Then, yeah. yeah and, <laughs> very nice. Um, and so then when uh, you then then when you got your job at a um, at Watsi, uh through you. I was able to start doing some playtesting with some of the people uh, and the sort of the high-end magic players, such as we were back in the mm -hmm. day. Um, and I think the first set we playtested was Alliances. That's the first set that I worked on while I was there. So yes, that makes sense that, that was okay. the first set. So that makes sense. So we had a lot of feedback. And that was a fun set too. Alliances you know, was a fun set. Had some fun things going on. Yeah, you guys had a lot of good feedback. Uh, I remember I recommended you, uh, your, your team to do – and then – uh, you guys gave the feedback back, and they're like, "Oh, they gave really good feedback." So yeah, no, I, for sure. Um, you know, uh, leaks like nobody's business. Like some of the people um, were not, uh, uh, I don't say trustworthy, but just like couldn't keep their mouths quiet about like what was coming and releasing cards, and they thought they were helping. Like, oh, those will be great for magic. I'm like, yeah, maybe, but we can't do that. You can't just <laughs> give out the cards to people. But anyways. So, so, okay, so while you were playtesting, another thing that happened during this period was we started the Pro Tour. So oh, Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, even before the Pro Tour, like, the World Championships, and, I mean, WotC had organized tournaments prior to the Pro Tour. There was, yeah. like, the National Championships, um, which, and this is 94, I guess, or 95? Yeah, ni 94. And, oh, no, no, 95. 95, yeah, yeah. that's right. That was in Philadelphia, I think, and yeah. I wound up coming in uh, second place to... Uh, Mark Justice. Yes, yes. Um, that was fun. And then from there, got to go to Worlds, and Worlds did really well and came in, I think, third or fourth in that year's Worlds in 95. Um, and then again in 96, World Championships, again, came in like third or fourth in that year's World Championships. And that's, 96 is when the uh, um, uh, Pro Tour started, I think? Yeah, uh, the Pro Tour started 95. in 95, in February of 95. Okay. 96 Worlds was held at Wizards. Like, the actual Worlds okay. was held at the Wizards' offices. And yes. I had been asked by R&D, uh, do I know any other people that might be good fits for R&D? And so I gave sure. them your name. Yeah. Well, no, it makes sense, too. I mean, look, any game that's – and we, we get this all the time building. Like, I, I make mobile games now. A lot of them are, like, strategy games. And, look, any game that is sufficiently complex, the best players of that game are not going to be the people that make the game it's going to be the people that play it and think about it more than the people that make it. Um, like, for example, I, I can guarantee you the world's best, uh, like, say, Overwatch player probably does not work at Blizzard. He's some guy in Korea or, or yeah. somewhere else, you know, <laughs> who's really good at the game. But if Blizzard is smart, and I know they are, they're probably looking to hire some of those best players to come help them make the game better for players like that. And so, that I mean, at least that's what I see, that, like, Watsi hired me to come help ma make Magic be better for players like me. And you were the first R&D hire off the Pro Tour, essentially. You were the first sort of pro we hired. Yeah, for sure. And, and like, and sort of like I was bringing a very different perspective on things um, and a much fresher perspective on things. And then like, look, we repeated that when, you know, later we hired, you know, Randy and hired Worth and Mike Tyrion, a lot of people. It, it really does make sense. Now, unfortunately, that Pro Tour edge kind of like gets dulled off over time and 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 it, as it should because i think as a game maker you need to grow to understand not just hey what what is the pro what does uh, spike think about this card because that's what the pro tour player is thinking right but like yeah. hey what does timmy think about what does johnny think what do other what does everyone think about this card and that 
sort of led to a lot of growth, which makes you less, you know, apt to know exactly what the new hotness is, and therefore you need to hire new people exactly. So one of my claim to fame, by the way, is I believe I'm one of the few R&D people that I, when I leave R&D, I will be a better magic player than when I started R&D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can believe it. That's funny. Okay, so uh, so you come at Wizards. So the first set you led, I mean, you were on some sets, but the first set you led was the first set I led, although I led the design and you led the development, which was Tempest. Sure. So what yeah, what's your memories of Tempest? Uh, I remember uh, Slivers. I remember the, uh, uh, was that from, that Tempest was interesting because while you were the designer, it had a lot of Mike Elliott's mechanics. Yeah, Mike was on the team. Mike was on the design team, and what happened was Mike and I both really wanted to be designers, and so yeah. this was like I, I convinced them to let me lead a set, and then I brought Mike on the team, and then Mike and I just fire hose of designs. We just made infinite yeah. cards. So, yeah. yeah, I remember. I seem to remember it also like during development that we had to cut a bunch out too. Um, yes, we had slivers, we had uh, kickers, which were awesome. And there was poison. No, kick, poison kickers invasion. Poison? You're you're getting ahead of yourself. Kickers invasion. Am I getting ahead? Um, so here, I'll run through what was it. Tempest had yeah, yeah. slivers. It had yeah. uh, flat. As I had buyback. It had oh, uh, okay. shadow, um, and then it had. I mean, those were the two major mechanics were shadow and um, buyback, and then it had slivers, and it had. Uh, what else did it have in it? Those were the major mechanics. Did it originally have poison? I think it. It did. It did. Oh poison. yes, yes. It originally had poison. And that's one of the things the development team, which I was leading, I'm, we were like, there's just too much stuff going on here. There's yeah. just too much stuff to think about. And that was one of the things like, look, this could be its own set. And so yeah. that got cut. Also, um, both Echo and um, Cycling, both were in the set and got pushed off. And the next year, Urza Saga, those were the main mechanics from Urza Saga. Yeah. So, Yeah. Well, I mean, look, listen, it's... <laughs> nice when you're sort of leading a development team to have you know a uh, a plethora of riches from which to choose from and to sort of like having that problem of like look there's too much stuff we need to cut back because we've got more than enough is way better than like you know there's not enough here this is kind of dull we need some more some more things to go on okay so also, go ahead it was tempest sorry was tempest the uh no that was weatherlight was part of that whole the like trying to tell a story well right through the cards yes what happened was um Michael Ryan and I pitched the Weatherlight Saga. Uh, the yeah. story started in Weatherlight, and then it ran for four years. Although Michael, <laughs> Michael and I weren't there for the full four years. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying, it was like Tempest. Like the first part was like a big part of it. Like was it kind of dabbled in Weatherlight and major in Tempest, well, or was it major in both? Weatherlight was like the the like the precursor. Like watching them get together. Like let's gather our team. Like Sissy gets kidnapped. Yeah. Let's gather our team. But this like kind of the start of the adventure was Tempest. Yeah, it's, that was kind of different too. I I call the results mixed. Uh, there's some awesome things. Some things you're like, wow, it really like was tough to put this square peg in this round hole to make it work story wise. Like, has that still continued as much? I mean, I know we stopped it a little bit after, but is that continued? the story? It's an it's an ever going wave of the, it's a lot in the cards. It's not that much in the cards. It's a lot in the cards. It's not that much in the cards. Yeah. So we've gone back and forth. Um, sure. I did appreciate in Tempest, we did this little thing where we made a, a storyboard where you could sort of see the story and it was all the cards put in order to show the story. It was in the duelist. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. I was very proud of that. So, but anyway, if you want to hear, if you want to hear me talk about, uh, the weather saga, uh, Mike Ryan and I did a bunch of podcasts on it. You guys can go listen oh, to that. Cool. Um, sure. okay. The next set you led, and this was, I think yes. just you, I think you were the only person to work on this was portal three kingdoms. Oh yeah, Portal Three Kingdoms. That's an interesting one. So 
this came from Bill Rose came to me and said like that they wanted to make an introductory set for the call it Asian market, you know, China, Japan, Korea, mm -hmm. Hong Kong, Taiwan, etc. Um, but they wanted to make it like a version of Portal that made sense for that market. And like, while the Western fantasy of magic is okay, it maybe wasn't resonating quite as well. Um, and there was the thought that maybe we could do a version of magic based on the Three Kingdoms saga. And for those of you that don't know, the Three Kingdoms saga is like, think of it, it, it is to Asia kind of like what the Aetherian legends are to the West, but it's also, it's like one third history and one third fantasy and, well, I don't know what the other third is, maybe half <laughs> history and half, and half fantasy. Like, these battles really happened. There really were these three different kingdoms, but um, there wasn't necessarily magic and the other stuff going on there. But the, the social impact of those stories is way more important, even than the Arthur legends are to the West. Like, people still think about those leaders. And they still quote the proverbs and things from those stories. Um, but uh, learning those, um, if you didn't grow up with them, there's quite quite a lot to learn. There was a, um, like a, read the, there was like a, a 10 book graphic novel to go through. And after that, the actual translated real novel, which is like a paperback that was like, yay, yay thick. Uh, full uh, of the, Henry Chung Mini Inches, which they, they can't oh, see you. Sorry, so. sorry. It's, 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 a, it's a way thing. Oh, I, I, I recommend anybody who's interested in sort of Chinese culture or Asian culture. It's a it's a, a unbelievable resource. And there have been, if you know about these things, like a million video games now have been based on the, the Three Kingdoms. There's all kinds of strategy games and fighting games. Since there's all these characters. There are a ton of Three Kingdoms uh, uh, games out there. Almost all of them exclusively done by by Asian companies. Okay, so, uh, so go ahead, yeah. go ahead. Sorry, yeah, sorry. So the, so the task was like, all right, how do we get that into magic? Like, how does that work? Like with the mechanics of like what magic is and portal, which is kind of like magic, but maybe not quite as complex as normal magic. So the first thing is like, all right, how do we deal with flying? Like, hey, yeah, they have birds. Maybe you can stretch and say dragons are there, kind of, sort of, but not really. Um, so what we settled on was uh, uh, horsemanship that like there's a lot of people riding on horses all the time so like people riding on horses if you're not on a horse you can't block someone like that so that and that actually kind of sort of works okay but now it turns out if you put horsemanship into real magic it's even better than flying right because <laughs> the horsemanship said they can only block by other creatures with horsemanship and nobody in real magic has horsemanship so they're like super flyers almost when you take them into into real magic yeah um and also like deciding what colors represented which kingdoms was a little bit tricky to do. And I think we settled on blue, white, and black were the ones that made sense. And uh, green was nature and red was kind of like uh, um, destruction and fire is how we wound up uh, uh, doing it. Okay, so the next set you worked on uh, was Urza's Legacy, which was the middle set of the Urza Saga block, which is famous for being a somewhat broken block. Um, yeah. And in fact, here's the... Broken bad or broken good? Well, here's the factoid I'll give. So, uh... I led the design for Urza's Destiny, and so one day we were talking in the pit about which is the most broken of the Urza's saga uh, sets. Yeah. And Eric Lauer said that if you go by percentage, meaning obviously Urza's saga is bigger, the other two are smaller sets, but yeah. he said by percentage, like percentage, he thought Urza's Legacy was the uh, most broken of the three sets, so... Oh. Most broken or, or most exciting? Is that what he said? The most exciting? Well, it's also um, the most exciting, and it's a lot of yeah. very memorable cards in it. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, uh, yeah, that wasn't great. It, it's... 
I think that was the time, at least in my memory, that we stepped most over the line in a set. And I remember we got yelled at a lot for that too. Yeah, we but got chewed out by look, Peter. For... <laughs> yeah. But as I look back on it, really, it's like, listen, if you're, if that's not happening from time to time, then you're not really doing your job as designers too. Like you're not sort of finding out where, where that line is. So now you can argue, yeah, that was a, a, a too much of a leap over the line <laughs> instead of a stroll over the line. But I really don't look back with a lot of regrets because I felt like we as a design team, as a development team, we learned a lot as well. You know, I think that led to kind of the second wave of pro tour R&D hires. Yeah. Like I think Urza's legacy is what led to Mike Turian coming in, was what led to Randy Bueller coming in, yes. what led to Worth coming in. Well, so. 100%, yes. The, 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 the response to us is to go more full court and hiring a lot more pro tour pros that would keep yeah. us from having broken stuff like that. Do you remember anything else about Urza's legacy? Uh... Not specifically. Like, I'm trying to remember if there's any cards that were, that, like, stood out. That wasn't, like, Dodecapod was from that, was it? No, no, no. Was was that later? That's later. Um, Okay. Okay, we'll we'll move on. Um, Next set you did, it was Mercadian Masks. Oh, (laughs) Well, Well, here, I'll set this one up, and then you can... So, we get chewed out by Peter, uh, who was the CEO of the time for Urza Saga, and he says to us, if the next fall set... Uh, is as broken as Urza Saga, we were going to be fired. So yeah. we made sure that the next large set was not as broken as Urza Saga. No, it was not. And <laughs> that's why, like, I think, yeah, I mean, it, that was not a great set. You know, I'll just maybe maybe leave it at that, even from the name, you know? Like, the name was bad, too, in addition to the car. Like, it's kind of funny that, like... yeah. I'm not sure how quite how you rank names, but like that's not a good name, and the theme was weird, like yeah. you know, carnival sort of, you know, a Venetian carnival kind of themey thing. It was all, yeah. I, so I, I'll tell that, a little behind the scenes story that the audience might appreciate. Yeah. So yeah. when they first named the set, we didn't name it. I already did nothing to do with the name, uh, and they yep. spelled masks M A S Q U E S, and we were like, yeah. could we just spell it M A S K S, please? And they're yeah. like, no, 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 they mean different things. And we're like, but no one's going to know what... So we went in the file, and we every time the word K appeared, we replaced it with a Q-U. Do you remember this? <laughs> yes. And so... And just in the file, just like weird things. And we're like, it just was... We thought it was funny, and so whenever yeah, we were doing it... Was, it, it so anyway. Because it was funny. Because we were kind of jerky back then. But <laughs> we were, we were a little jerky. That is true. Yeah. Okay, the next set... This is a good set. Now we go to a, a little better set. Uh, you, you had mentioned earlier, so we could, Invasion. This was the multicolor. Oh, awesome. This is where Kicker yeah. was. So Yeah, no, Invasion was awesome. This is, I think, honestly, maybe the favorite, my favorite set of all the sets that I worked on when there. It'd probably be between that and Tempest, I suppose. But yeah, yeah, no, Invasion was awesome. Uh, Kicker was, I think, maybe the best mechanic that, that, that I worked on or that well, not that i created but that yeah. was handed to me and i, I yeah. grew into something that was awesome to put it that way yeah bill bill made kicker i mean kicker's only okay. problem is it's so expansive like yeah it, but. it is really the the um the er mechanic yeah like, uh that like you could have anything like kicker could do a, like i'm sure that you've thought like oh well kicker you know da, 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 and you have this other mechanic right if the kicker is instead of extra yeah. meta but the kicker is like you know, discard a card. Okay, right. now you've got an alternative casting card. Yes. Whatever. Yes, it is. So here's a fun story that has to do with me and you is 
You and I independently each went to Bill and pitched the same idea, completely unaware the other person had gone and pitched it. Do you know what the idea was? No, no, no. What was it? Was Apocalypse of, let's save the enemy stuff and put it at the end of the block. Oh yeah, the, the the colors of the the colors and harmony versus the colors. That, right. Originally, invasion yeah. was all the colors, and it was too oh, much. Yeah, and then yeah. you and I each yeah. independently went to Bill and goes, "It's just too much. What if we just save yeah. the enemy stuff for the end of the block?" And you know, totally. that's good. I you know I hadn't remembered that, but I I like that great mind take a life. And you know, credit to Bill too for being receptive enough to to listen. You know, he's always been good in that way that he will listen to to people. Oh, no, no, Bill, actually, that's one of Bill's strengths, I think, is he actually, like, listens to what everybody has to say, and, and, and you know, Bill's very, very, I mean, he, he, he's been our VP uh, forever, so, but, uh, yeah. so, okay, next that you worked on was Torment, so this was us trying something a little different, what if one color was more in the set than every other, so there was more black than anything else, and there was less white and green, I think red and blue were the same as normal, do you, do you yeah. remember this? Now, theoretically, that should have worked. <laughs> in, in theory, like, okay, yeah, there's more black, and if you draft, yeah, more people will be drafting black, but that means that the other cards, you know, there'll be fewer people drafting them. That means they'll be deeper in what they get. But it really, that's nice in theory, but I, I think in practice, uh, at least in terms of drafting, it really yeah was more of a miss than a hit. Although we did have some fun cards. There are some very fun cards. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the, the, there was like the, um, I forget its name, uh, like BB for a 2-1, and it was B plus 1 plus 1. It was like the, uh, um. Oh, oh, um, yeah. Uh, you know, you know yeah. what I'm talking about, right? I know you're talking about. I'm also bad on name, remembering names. But um, oh, yeah. the, audi- the audience is, whenever I do this, I know they're screaming at the thing, yelling out the name of the card. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, it was the shade. It was the shade. It was, uh. Yeah. Eastern Shade. Eastern no, Shade. no, Eastern Shade's from Homeland. It's not Eastern Shade. Oh, what's but, it? Oh, okay. Gosh, um, Eastern Shade then. Uh, it is, well, it'll come to us. Um, that, guy was, that guy was good. That guy was really good. In a he was. He was very He was very good. There's a lot of, everybody's playing a lot of black. He's really okay, good. so next set you worked on was another middle set, was Dark Steel, which was in the Mirrodin block. Uh, yeah. in, so that, Urza Saga was us doing broken things, but it wasn't the only block of us doing broken things. Mirrodin block also was us doing some broken things. Yeah. Um, what was the... Darksteel had the... introduced... Indestructible was introduced in Darksteel. Okay. Uh, it had the nightmare mechanic where creatures came in and removed something as long as they were in play, and they came back. Richard made that okay. mechanic. Um, okay. What else was in that set? That, that That's the main ones that come to mind. I know the big problem with it was Mirrodin... We made Mirrodin, it was broken... And then we had to make the next two sets, and we were trying to, like, not make his broken things, but, um... Yeah, oh, um, remember... Modular was in that set. Uh, creatures that came with... Artifact creatures came with plus one, plus one counters, and when they died, you moved the plus one, plus one counters. Okay, sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, I don't specifically remember, like, a ton. Is that where... Did, uh, um... that where did Pond was from? Seeing that set? Which, which, which one? That one, the, the Mirrodin? Or the, uh, the, the um... Which card? Which card? Uh, Dodecapod. Uh, what is Dodecapod from? I don't remember where Dodecapod is from. I can look it up. Um, okay. Let's see. We'll see where Dodecapod is from. Do- I remember the card. So Dodecapod. See, this is what I can't do when I'm driving. I can't just look things up. Uh, it was from Apocalypse. Okay. So it wasn't. It wasn't even in a set you led. <laughs> yeah, I just said it was on though. 
Uh, yeah, you were. I mean, we're just talking about the sets that you you led. You were on lots of other sets. So yeah, okay. So there's two more sets here. Uh, next set that you worked on was Guild Pact. So this was um, uh, from Ravnica Block, the original Ravnica Block. It was the middle set. Um, it was uh, Ravnica Guild Pact Dissension. So this was the middle set. Sure. Um, so I had just taken over. The, uh, I became head designer during Ravnica, or right before Ravnica. And I pitched the idea of a, a block in which the whole block, like, was kind of chopped up. I called the pie model at the time. Like, chop up the pie, and this set gets this part of the pie. And this, like, so, right. and, I, and I know that going into this, the Mike Elliott was the lead designer for Guild Pack, and he wasn't really bought into this whole idea that uh, we were going to continue what we were doing in Ravnica. And so I know you had a lot of work to kind of adjust it to make sure that it... Uh, for sure. I would just, like... Three guilds, right? We did. Yeah, you uh, the three guilds in yours was uh, black, white, the Orzhov. Um, it was red, green, the Gruul, and it was um, black, black, white, red, green, blue, something. Uh, not blue, white, not blue, green. Oh, blue, red. Uh, is is it? So it's blue, okay. red, white, black, and red, green were the the, the set you were. Yeah, on. yeah, that was a fun set. Like, I mean, the whole Ravnica block was fun and obviously you guys are like to that to that guild land yes yes we before i that was like i mean it was nice because like we're trading sort of i mean this wasn't the first multicolored set that we'd ever done obviously but it was it felt like the first time through the whole ravnica thing that we'd really gone deep into into multicolor or at least to me it felt like it was in a much deeper way than previously well chopping it up also like saying this set is just these three color combinations really lets you go really deep because it wasn't everything. It was just these three color combinations. So. Yeah, it's better too. It's way better because like you can go deeper. It's a, kind of what we talked about before. Like when you have too many things to do, you kind of get like a sprinkling of all the little things, and you can't really. It's hard to like do a lot of the cards that you'd like to do in a setting like that. Okay, so the last that you worked on, interestingly, uh, was Zendikar, and we the our third trip to Zendikar just came out. So, what do you remember about original Zendikar? Yeah, I, so I took over for Zendikar. Someone else had it and took over. Um, yeah, I think Devin started Zendikar, and then you took over for Devin. Yeah, but then I think someone might have taken over for me. Yeah, Aaron yeah. took over for you. <laughs> yeah, so three okay. different people worked on this set. The, it had yeah, three lead well, developers. It was a running joke for a while how many lead developers that set had, so. Yeah, but still, I mean, I feel like it turned out, in the end, actually, the, the product wound up, wound up being quite good. Oh, yeah, um, Zendikar's one of our most popular worlds, so. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, like the whole model that uh, um, that uh, Watsi uses for designing cards of having a design team that hands off to a development team. Yeah, it makes me wonder if like, would things be better if that development team handed it off to the final development team? You know, well, we, we've changed how we do things, Henry. We kind of do that now. We, oh, do you really? Yeah, we have a vision design, which hands off to set design, which hands off to play design. So we, okay, you, so vision, vision you on your own have is, created the system we've we've now got to. <laughs> interesting. So what is? Uh, sorry, people probably know this, but I don't. So you get to tell me. Maybe people don't. But like, what is the responsibilities of vision design versus card design versus? Well, I mean, vision design. Uh, we, we work on four months. It's setting up basically the main thrust of what the set is. We're making the blueprints for the set. It, we pick the themes. We pick the mechanics. We're sort of. If we're building a house, we're making the blueprints. Set design is actually okay. building it. They're the ones that are actually making and building it. And then play design is doing all the testing and balancing and, you know, making sure that... Uh, oh. 
Understood. So, so the, the first design then, are you guys actually making cards or you're not making cards? We make cards as a template to show what we can do. They're like proof of concept and they're free right. to keep them, but often they change a lot of the cards. So, okay. uh, and then the actual set design team, if it's a big set, say they could, they still do their thing of like, Hey, here's our, here's our vision. If this was done, we think this is good. Here's our full set. That right. Set design will the build the house that, I mean, the metaphor I always use is vision makes the blueprints and set design builds the house. But, you know, okay. the, the blueprints do a lot to guide you of what kind of house it is and what it's going to look like and stuff like that. For sure. So. And then the play design actually makes, I don't know if you, is that furniture? Or uh, interior design is what we said. So, like, they're, they're making the house look look nice and make, you know, there's a lot of touches, a lot of, so. Yeah. I think that undersells it a little bit because a lot of times, or at least in the old. I think you're underselling like, interior design is what I think you're. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Um, uh, because you'd be like, this, you know, who is the architect? This wall does not belong here. You know, like, yeah. this, should, this wall should be here. But yeah, whatever. It's, it's, and the thing is, like, it's tough because, like, this process is a really good process. And I've tried a lot of the software companies that I've been at to mm -hmm. institute a little bit something closer to that. But a lot of times the cycles are just so much faster that. Yeah, it doesn't work. It, do it doesn't happen. And often, often to detriment, honestly. Um, or. You know, sometimes, you know, companies will let their players be their set designers, sort of, and use testing on players yeah. to try to find out what's best, which is, can work, but it's fraught with peril as well. Okay, so, Henry, uh, as we wrap up, um, I, I'm almost to work here. So, yeah. uh, what is your thoughts? I mean, you spent, how many, you were Wizards for 10 years? Yeah, a little less, maybe right around that much. Yeah, no, I'm super thankful for everything that... Uh, I learned at Watsi. I mean, it's really how I became a game designer. Uh, prior to, we didn't mention it, but prior to working at Watsi, I was uh, happily working as an aerospace engineer, you know, designing and building spacecraft. Fun job. Um, and through Watsi and the uh, your uh, encouragement and the vision of, uh, you know, Richard and Peter and Scaff and the other people who understood, they're like, oh, hey, you know, it's a person with a engineering background can come in here and become a good designer and sort of like, opened the world of design to me. And I learned, I, I mean, I learned a lot of other jobs since then, but I learned a ton about what makes a game good and good processes for making games. And uh, even things like color pie. Like I talk about color pie now with mm -hmm. people at my work and they get what I'm talking about. Like they <laughs> understand, like magic has given us so much sort of common vocabulary as game makers too, that it's, uh, uh, it's super awesome. But I'm very proud to have been a part of it. Well, anyway, it was great talking to you, Henry. Um, but... I see I'm at my desk, which means I've gotten to work. So we all know that means this is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So thank you for awesome. coming with us, Henry. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Mark. Good talking to you. Okay, everybody else, I will see you all next time. Bye-bye.